Like think about, and bravo to our teachers. Like I love our teachers. They have really been through it. Okay. (laughs) They, you know, there's pre-pandemic stuff that they already recognize. Not only are they responsible for our kids' education and just the, you know, overwhelming burden that must cause, you know, you want every kid to thrive and succeed, but they also notice the kid who isn't eating, who doesn't have clean clothes or shoes, you know, like they do so much more during the pandemic. These are the, you know, the teachers are, you know, worrying about whether kids have a quiet spot to sleep, to do homework, to, you know, get onto Zoom. Do they even have Wi-Fi? Like, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, our teachers are phenomenal. I mean, they're, they're just absolutely incredible. But my personal opinion as a parent is that teachers need more resources. They need funding. They need more classroom support. They need better uh, programs, frankly, for literacy. Like, I don't know when we decided phonics didn't work, but that's an evidence-based program. Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with Caroline Hera, who is somebody who was kind enough to be on my show a couple of years ago when I was just starting the podcast. She is the founder of SB Plan, which is a very vibrant and dynamic Facebook group and organization. And she and members really keep a close eye on the Santa Barbara Unified School District and school issues. She's also a parent of two children, one who recently graduated from Santa Barbara Unified and another one who's still in the district. And it's such a pleasure to be able to talk to you, Caroline, because the first time we talked, you were so uh, smart and uh, authentic and real on these issues, passionate. And I remember I learned a lot. And here we are two years later. So this is going to be so much fun. Caroline, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. And it was an honor to be on your show two years yeah. ago. I believe it. I know time, time flies. And we were doing yep. it in that, that studio over at a Kiva co-work. Yeah. And, you know, now with the pandemic, we do it through zoom, but I want to talk to you because at the time you really were uh, somebody who was getting lots of attention with the launch of SB plan in the context of COVID-19 and many issues relating to whether the district was going to reopen schools or not. If we could take our minds back to that time, it was such a hotbed controversial issue of Mm -hmm. what's going on. Why aren't our kids back in school? And we were all sort of learning and SB plan sort of came out of that. And that was sort of one of the, one of the things that people were interested in, but since then, so many issues your group is talking about and really being a player in the conversation. So I just want to ask you, Caroline, uh, can you bring us up to date on SB plan and, and the issues that, that you and the group are involved with and, you know, sort of how you've grown and what your focus is on today? Great. I'd be happy to. Well, SB Plan stands for Santa Barbara Parent Leadership Action Network. The vision at the time was literally to bring together all the leaders at local schools and 
have them be sort of the voice of their respective communities to come together and to express their, you know, their concerns, their discontents, their hopes for our children's education in light of COVID-19. Now, if you recall, there was a lot of angst. People were fearful, uh, struggling. People were really struggling at the time and and in many ways still, right, Um, with Uh, being at home, remote learning, uh, education loss, mental health issues. And we really just wanted to give people a voice. That's pretty much it. I saw the anxiety out there and I said, look, instead of bickering in these disparate groups, let's come together. Let's talk about it. And yes, it's okay to be angry at first, but eventually we need to take that anger that fear, and we need to channel it into something constructive. And so ultimately, that was my goal. I think that we accomplished that. And I think through the pressure nudging that we asserted um, back in the fall of that year, we were able to go back to school. Now, unfortunately, uh, you know, we the board waited a little too late to bring us back to school, and we did have to go back to school in the spring. But since then, Um, There's been a myriad of issues that have come up, and ultimately, the point of continuity has been the community, you know, parents, teachers, public officials, um, even, you know, administrators, they all want to be heard. Everyone wants their story to be important, and their story is important. There's no story less valid or more valid than anyone else's. What we're trying to do is to create a forum where people can share their stories, hopefully enlighten others, and at the end of the day, have a voice in the policymaking at our district. What's happened is that even though people are talking, they've become more engaged, certainly, I mean, I think that's a big win for SB Plan, is that people have really learned how to engage with the school board. They've learned the purpose of the school board, they've learned the purpose of the district, they've learned the purpose of the SB County Education Office. I mean, these are things, frankly, I didn't know. Like, I hate to admit it, I didn't really know what the Brown Act was, okay? We know that now. Now, not everyone behaves in school board meetings, and that is really unfortunate, but people behave on SB plan, because I will not have any of that on our forum. And the result has been, we are now a thousand group members. People come to discuss the issues. We all have our own opinions. They come from different walks of life, socioeconomic levels, political parties. At the end of the day, we're there to share our stories. If people get out of line, they will, they'll be shut out. Basically, they'll be pushed out of the group. And, um, you know, But ultimately, our mandate remains. We're still relevant. We're still going strong. And we have a bunch of more, you know, bunch more issues to discuss on the platform. Yeah. Wow. A thousand members. That's really impressive. And that is true. It's if you're somebody who's on the extremes, who wants to rail against the district, that's really not what SP Plan is about. It's it's really about having conversations and a platform where people's views can be taken seriously. And and as we know, at the school district, you only get three minutes to talk. If there's a lot of speakers, less minutes to fewer minutes to talk. And uh, sometimes meetings can get hijacked by some of the more emotional. I don't want to even say emotional because there's nothing wrong with being emotional. Some of the 
the sort of obnoxious commenters that, that will mm -hmm. talk, you know, so some of the meetings get hijacked by that. So it's a forum to air out these issues. So I think that you have continued to really play a role in being a watchdog of the Santa Barbara Unified School District. And so I want to talk to you about some of the issues that, that have come up and have uh, gotten some space on your page. I've wrote some stories recently about the district, and I guess this is the larger frame of equity, right? We, we all want mm -hmm. students who are not performing as well as they should to improve. We want to close the achievement gap. We want to help people do better. We know they're capable of. And so that's the million dollar question. How do we mm -hmm. do that? Okay. So the district is trying different things. One of the things they're trying is this combination of honors and college prep courses into one classroom. So starting it in seventh grade, eighth grade, and then ninth grade, mm -hmm. it's been piloted at a couple of the campuses. It was in the fall. The idea is that teachers in the classroom should be able to assess who is maybe capable of being, you know, having an honors curriculum. But if you're on two separate paths with two different classrooms, then maybe it's going to be really hard to, to, you know, switch or catch up. What do you think about that? It, it seems like a great intent and idea, but on the ground, what are you hearing? What do you think? You know, you're a parent. What about that issue? Yeah, so let me start even at the beginning of the equity issue. I think that the district is challenged right now because they see literacy rates dropping, they see test scores dropping, and they're really looking for a panacea to an overarching issue that they have K to 12. And I think that the um, plan, and I won't say it's a proposal because apparently they've decided they're going to do it without stakeholder feedback, um, is based in part on that. But it's not the only thing that they've proposed. You know, I, I wrote a list to myself because I was trying to remember all the different sort of equity proposals that they've had this last year. And um, let me think right here. Let's see. Uh, they had a resolution to ensure equity in schools last November, which they presented to the board. Um, it was basically a way to kind of shut down gate, I think. And that resolution failed because three of the board members were like, what are we doing here? Right. Um, this, of course, is the most recent one. But I think what the district is trying to do is show its stakeholders that it's listening by giving us a quick fix to the problem. The issue is combining college prep and honors is not a fix. It's, it's not sustainable. And there are a lot of reasons why, okay? The fundamental issue goes back to elementary school. The problem is students who aren't literate by third grade or don't have basic math schools by the time they graduate from elementary school are really in a bad position to succeed in middle school and then subsequently in high school. Um, there are programs like my friend Vicki has that's focused on the middle, middle school part of it, which is 
Uh, it's such a critical time. You know, my son is in middle school now. And my daughter, when she was in middle school, it's just such a tough time for kids. I mean, they're being thrown into a brand new environment. They don't know any of the teachers, right? And meaning a lot of new people. Um, and, you know, they're hormonal. It's just a scary time, right? And then if they feel inadequate academically, that only causes even more harm to their self-esteem. So not only do they feel like they're not prepared academically, they feel demoralized as a person. The real problem is elementary. We need to focus on literacy programs and math programs that allow students to be where they need to be to succeed in middle school and high school. Putting kids together in middle, excuse me, in middle school, yes, in high school, college prep and honors classes, Mm -hmm. really you're addressing the wrong problem, frankly. Now, I have firsthand experience with this. My daughter, who performed well in middle school and high school, was in a honors chemistry class at Dos Pueblos. And um, she found out at the last minute that it was going to be a combined class. I found out, in turn, that it was a combined class. At the end of the day, she got an A+. Plus which frankly, she should not have, okay? She should not have gotten an A plus in that class for an honors chemistry class. Honors chemistry is hard, okay? And the kids who were in the college prep class performed the same as they might otherwise, okay? So what's what's the purpose of this? Is it to combine the two grades so we see higher performance uh, at the district? I, I don't really understand it. Now, the reason why it's important for someone like my daughter to be challenged is one, she wants to be challenged. Okay. She wants to work for her A. She doesn't want to just get it right. And there's some kids who will game the system. They'll be like, Oh, is that an easy A class? I'm going to take it, you know, but there's very few of those. Let's be honest. Okay. Most kids want to be challenged. They want to earn the A because when they get to college, like my daughter, who's an extremely rigorous academic program um, at Columbia, Columbia engineering, She doesn't want to feel like the dummy in class because her honors class taught her almost nothing. Mm -hmm. Now, the teacher who taught it is a wonderful woman, totally capable. However, how do you teach two different groups adequately? You just really can't. You know, I think it's different, say, in the language arts, where my daughter also was in a combined class. You know, kids have been, you know, studying the language arts since, you know, uh, pre-kindergarten, right? So that's an inherently iterative process. Every year they learn more vocabulary, more grammar. They learn how to write. They learn different styles of writing. That makes sense to iterate over and over again. But in the STEM fields, you're learning brand new information and you can't be slowed down. And if you don't have that basis in high school, you're at a major disadvantage in college. I can tell you that right now. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess my point is, is that my personal opinion And the opinion expressed on SB plan as evidenced by the survey I conducted on SB plan is one, parents didn't appreciate being blindsided by the fact that this was a plan that was proceeding without stakeholder input. Parents didn't like the fact that the district was rolling out uh, further pilot programs without having the benefit of the data validating further rollout of the plan. And then based on our own personal experiences in which we all felt that these pilot programs were not adequate, 
we really questioned, well, what's, what's the end game here? Nobody really understood it. So I think this is just one of many ways where the district is trying to say, we're hearing you, parents, teachers, and we want to give you a quick fix, but that's not the assignment. The assignment isn't, we want a quick fix. We don't want a resolution. We don't want you to combine college prep and honors classes. We want you to find a sustainable solution to literacy, to inequity, to ensuring every student has a fair chance to succeed in life. And if you are not literate and if you don't have basic math skills, you will not succeed in middle school and high school, and you are less likely to succeed in college if you end up at college at all. Yeah. Yeah, those are a lot of good points. There's a disconnect between what happens at the cabinet level in terms of the programs that they propose to implement versus the people in the classroom. The reason I found out about that story was from teachers. Teachers who, by the way, are scared to death of Hilda Maldonado and don't want to go on the record because of retaliation. But they'll talk to me and, you know, I'll protect their identity as a good reporter should. But they're like, we don't have the resources. We don't have mm-hmm. their tra- We don't have the, the, the training. We're just doing this. Um, and so there, there may be teachers who obviously, you know, are making it work. But I know I heard from some who were like, what are we doing here? This, mm-hmm. this needs to slow down. So there seems to be a disconnect between mm-hmm. the theory of how things should work versus how it's working in the classroom. And you, you know, you do raise a good point about elementary school and starting mm-hmm. earlier. I don't know that there's a real solution other than more teachers, smaller class sizes, mm-hmm. redistribution of funding. Um, there has to be a way to have smaller class sizes so teachers can spend more time with their students as opposed to well even 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 this this year the district said oh class sizes because the pandemic they're going to be smaller 20 to 1 and then I did a whole story about elementary school teachers saying no Josh I have 27 elementary in my class you know I have and they just keep you know adding them so I think that's a that's a more long-term systemic issue is how do you redistribute funds so that you can have smaller class sizes? That's how the private schools do well. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and for sure. Say what you can will we just about, talk about that, Yeah, for about sure. That, can we but, just talk about our teachers for a second? Like, yeah. that's one thing I definitely wanted to talk about today. It's like, they really literally are like frontline workers. Okay. Like think about, and bravo to our teachers. Like I love our teachers. They have, really been through it. Okay. (laughs) They, you know, there's pre-pandemic stuff that they already recognize. Not only are they responsible for our kids' education and just the, you know, overwhelming burden that must cause, you know, you want every kid to thrive and succeed, but they also notice the kid who isn't eating, who doesn't have clean clothes or shoes, you know, like they do so much more during the pandemic. These are the, you know, the teachers are you know, worrying about whether kids have a quiet spot to sleep, to do homework, to, you know, get onto Zoom. Do they even have Wi-Fi? Like, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, our teachers are phenomenal. I mean, they're, they're just absolutely incredible. But 
My personal opinion as a parent is that teachers need more resources. They need funding. They need more classroom support. They need better uh, programs, frankly, for literacy. Like, I don't know when we decided phonics didn't work, but that's an evidence-based program. And, you know, I'm not an expert in literacy, but as a parent, I marvel at the new approaches that we're trying and literally like trying out on our kids that make no sense to me. They don't work. And it's pretty clear based on the, the data, you know, and that's what I want our district to look at more is the data. It's not working. So I just want to applaud our teachers. And I wish that I could do more. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, no, I don't think anyone has the solution, but my message to the district and the whole premise and purpose of SB plan is if you want to find solutions and if you want to find sustainable solutions, talk to your stakeholders and constituents and ask them what they think. Yeah. How would teachers solve this problem? Because you know what? They know a lot better than I do. Mm-hmm. And they probably know a lot better than our superintendent and certainly our board. And on that note, I think the board needs to do, frankly, a better job of holding our superintendent accountable. If she proposes something that has any cost, whether it's uh, monetary cost or cost to mental health or to students not succeeding, we need to say, hey, show us the data. The The board needs to say, where is the data, Hilda, substantiating your claim and substantiating the validity of this program or this, you know, um, PO that you want us to sign. There was a meeting last year um, under the guise of equity where Hilda wanted them to sign basically a blank check to have someone, oh, no, actually it had to do with um, anti-Black violence. She wanted the board to sign Uh, an RFP or approve an RFP for a consultant to come in to talk about anti-Black violence. Yes. Is it an issue? Absolutely. It's not a new issue, but it's a very severe issue. But why would they approve a PO for something that has not even been vetted by the people who are pained by the circumstance? They didn't even talk to the Black families or other families who are experiencing pain, whose children can't even go to school because they're afraid they're going to be harassed and maybe even hurt, like maybe even killed. Who knows? I mean, we don't know what people are capable of when they're, you know, inspired by hate, right? So you need to talk to the people who are impacted and not just make decisions because you want people to, or to show people that you're doing something. Yeah. Unfortunately, and this is true with most electeds in you know, across multiple jurisdictions is they forget why they ran. Like most electeds run and then all of a sudden they become PR for the district. Like they see themselves all as on one side together. But the true purpose of being elected is to oversee. And so not to get defensive when there's criticism, but to listen but, you know, the board is very much of us versus them, unless, unless um, you know, sometimes people can finesse that system, but they see themselves too much as defenders of the cabinet, as opposed to watchdogs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Hilda Maldonado, 
I've heard, you know, and this is not my opinion, I have heard directly from people in the cabinet, from teachers who say, this board cannot objectively oversee Hilda Maldonado because Mm -hmm. they hired her. And they have a vested interest in making sure she succeeds, because if she succeed doesn't, it reflects on them. And that's just a reality, right? If, if, you, mm-hmm. if you did everything you could to hire this person, it's really hard to say, hmm, maybe uh, we should relook at this. And of course, when they gave her a contract extension, I can't tell you about my email inbox, <laughs> like Josh, 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 you know, and it is what it is. And I'm sure you get, you know, you get a lot of that oh, too. Yeah. Can we talk just real briefly about transparency um, mm-hmm. and access? Uh, here, here you are. You know, you have a, a little bit of privilege because you're the you're the head of this group, right? So you have mm-hmm. a little bit of access. Um, they know you. They know of you. You, mm-hmm. you are familiar to them. Do you feel heard? Because you know, if, yeah, if you're I, not heard, can you imagine how somebody who's just some parent somewhere, they're not going to be heard? You know. Well, it's interesting. Um, So there's a difference between listening and hearing. Um, I think that they view me as someone they need to listen to. uh, But do they really hear what I'm having to say? Like, I think that I'm more of a nuisance to them. uh, Because when I write to the board, I never hear back. I never get even a simple response. You know, I was a legislative aide in college. Uh, because I studied political science. And that was my whole job. And back then we actually had to type letters. So it was kind of a pain. Okay. But um, that was the number one thing. Every person who writes into you, no matter what the issue is, needs to know that they've been heard, that you read their letter. I have never gotten a response from anyone at the district ever. And so my venue, SB Plan, is really a way for me to communicate to them, because they're all on the forum, by the way. They're all members of the group. Most of them are, or they have a surrogate, you know, to listen in. They listen. They don't hear what we have to say. Uh, They want to know how much of a nuisance I am, I'm sure. But no, I, I don't feel heard. And that's why SB Plan endures. That's why it's needed. And that's why it will continue, because parents need to be heard. And they need, they need a venue, frankly. And I know that the district knows we're around. You know, I once told someone on the board who basically said to me, actually, this was the one time I talked to someone and they said, you know, you don't have to be so antagonistic, basically is what they said. And I said, well, why don't you count yourself lucky? Because without SB plan, you wouldn't know what your constituents are thinking. Yeah. Because that's one of our greatest values is that we're basically kind of a focus group for them. Mm-hmm. They do something, we're going to have a reaction and it's going to be nonpartisan and it's going to come from a lot of different angles. I mean, yeah, there'll be partisan complaining, but you'll get hear it from both sides. And that's the beauty of SB plan. And that's what we hope to do. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's true. You know, here you are with this platform, but still they, they don't respond to you in the way that would just be respectful, whether you have that platform or not. But yet they'll lurk on your page to see what mm-hmm. they need to play defense about. Uh, mm-hmm. Just one more question on the, the district and the cabinet. 
I've been writing about turnover. You know, we're mm -hmm. seeing many people who are leaving. I've called it an exodus in my stories. Mm -hmm. More people are leaving. Kip Clazer last week, Sierra Lockridge leaving. More people are to come that are leaving. Um, what do you think of that? Does that matter to you? Um, I know the response I get is, well, it's a new superintendent and that happens, Josh. And educators always look for new jobs around this time of the year. So why don't you write about this great program we have over here? You know, that's their spin. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, this is a lot of people are leaving. What, what is your take on turnover at the administration level and the district? Is that a concern to you? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think obviously it's worrisome because when you don't have the same people doing the same jobs, right, there, there are hiccups, right? There are things that happen and you lose continuity. So obviously it's always concerning regardless of the reason. Personally, you know, I have my own take on it based on conversations that I've had. I think that in some cases, uh, people moving on is because maybe there's bad opportunity or maybe it's just time for them to leave. Like they've been with the district for a long time and maybe they don't feel like they're, um, they're able to give everything, especially after COVID. Um, I can tell you that I've had a few conversations where there is a real concern for, um, you know, that there's a crisis of confidence in the leadership. And some may feel that they are sort of jeopardizing their own reputation or integrity to continue when they don't believe in the direction of the district. Now, I can't say that's true for everyone. I can only base that on my own personal conversations with a few people. I definitely think that it's concerning people are leaving. I definitely think the uh, this crisis of confidence, as I said, is very concerning because obviously, um, you know, what's going to happen, you know, either the superintendent leaves, right. Or we're going to see more defections. And in either case, it's disruptive and our kids have been through a lot. So I think that's something that needs to be fixed. It needs to be addressed. And maybe that's something for the board to address. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier on about how maybe the board feels like they have to support this superintendent because they hired her. You know, I've definitely have felt that at times. I don't know if there's any validity to that personally, but that's definitely been my opinion. Um, I was a little uh, disheartened when I heard that she was hired and hyped up, you know, and didn't have her PhD yet. That was news to me. I didn't really appreciate that. I thought there was... I felt like the board lost a lot of credibility when they were pushing this person who didn't even have her PhD yet. And yet they touted her uh, expertise and made it seem as if it made it appear as if she had already had her PhD. Now, I don't know how important that is. Honestly, I'm not an expert, but I didn't appreciate that. It felt like a lie to me. I felt deceived. Um, she also had never been a superintendent before. Yeah. Right. I mean, Right. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, you know, what what's the end game? As I said, the end game should be our children. You know, are we preparing our children for the future as they you know, often say that's the mission of the district? Prepare them for jobs they, that haven't yet been created. Right. We're not preparing them for middle school. OK, so <laughs> let's prepare them for middle school. 
And if we don't have the resources or the funds or what have you, reach out to the community and get the community to help. I mean, I really can't emphasize this enough. SB plan is really an opportunity for them to say, hey, community, we want your feedback. We want you to help us. And, you know, programs that Vicky runs, you know, the Youth Innovation Club, which is now being rebranded as E3, that's 100% focused on this critical period in middle school, right? To help these kids get the skills they need to succeed in high school and then in college. Okay, this is a very critical program that she's running. But let's reevaluate the literacy and math programs we have in elementary as well. And the parents, if you brought us in, I, t- I can tell you right now, we would be much less of a pain in your butt. Let's, okay, let's just say it. We would be much less of a pain if you just brought us in, asked us what we thought, and hey, ask us for money because you know what? We'll give it to you. We'll give you money. We'll volunteer in your classrooms. And look, I'm the PTSA president at Santa Barbara Junior High. I can tell you right now, the first opportunity for parents to volunteer on campus after you know COVID restrictions were uh, lifted, we had dozens of parents dying to get into the school. Parents want to be involved in their kids' education. Bring us in. We're here for you, truly. Yeah. Yeah, I know, you know, really great stuff. And the point being, engage with the people who care. Like, be lucky, feel lucky that this is a community where you have people who want to engage and be helpful, Mm -hmm. as opposed to other communities where, you know, maybe that's that's not the case. On SB Plan, I've written about, there's this new group that's come forward uh, uh, focusing on technology for children from K through third grade. And they're saying, you know, during the pandemic, everybody got iPads because um, it was remote school and it was necessary and it was essential for them to be able to learn from home. And now they're saying, now that we're coming out of that or out of it, we need to rethink about screen time for children at that, at those age groups. And they have a couple of concerns. One is, are they really learning without oversight at home? Are the parents mm-hmm. using the iPads? Are they accessing mm-hmm. things that are uh, inappropriate? But they're also concerned about just not getting the physical activity. These are pediatricians who talked about obesity, which of course is long been an issue, but they sort of see it. One of the persons I talked to was Santa Barbara County Public Health Department. So they see sort of the the, uh, lowest income uh, patients, many of them Latino students, and sort of seeing some of the real concerns there. Um, Is that something that your group's concerned about? Or do you have any thoughts about technology for the, the very little ones in terms of being able to take these devices home? Yeah. So um, when uh, one of the organizers of that group uh, came to me and asked if they could do an anonymous survey on our uh, site, I immediately said, yes, of course. And, you know, I have my own personal opinions about that. They're not political at all, but, you know, I have had a couple of kids go through. And when my son was at MUS, they got, they all got iPads. Um, But look, technology is addictive. iPads are addictive. Phones are addictive. It's like a drug, especially for young minds. And this is not a political statement. This is a fact. And also, kids don't need iPads to learn. You could give a kid a paper cup and they would learn a lot of things from a paper cup. You don't even need to oversee them. 
you could just, they could see that it's round. They can make echoing sounds in the paper cup. I mean, I'm not going to go ad nauseum into this, but my personal feeling is that there really isn't a need for iPads in the classroom K to three. It's an addictive device that I think creates more harm ultimately in the long run. Um, as I said, I'm not an educator, and uh, but I, you know, I support these parents and Dr. Santa Cruz, I think is the, the pediatrician who spoke at the board meeting that I spoke as well, and I support them. And, you know, this gets back to the data. I have my opinions, but I'm gonna listen to the experts. Like, you know, Apple, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, these companies, Instagram, they all admit that their platforms are addictive and damaging to young minds. Even the companies that produce these platforms, the device and the platform. So if they know it and they're willing to monetize, right, this, and a doctor who sees a lot of patients says it's unhealthy, well, maybe we should look at that. No. So I guess that's all I have to say yeah. <laughs> about that. Well, I think the, the school district is going to give them some agenda time to talk about the issue. Okay. And so we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. And I, I want to, before we shift gears, sort of, you know, if the board members are watching, Hilda's watching, you know, anybody with the district, these comments, you know, that, that, that you're making, that I'm making, that we're talking about, it's not something to get mad or defensive about. It's like mm. free information, free data. Listen and think, hmm, maybe there's something we can do about this as opposed mm -hmm. to pointing out, you know, well, 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 but, but, but that's not the goal. There's been too much of that. The goal mm -hmm. should be, oh, there's, there's Caroline era and she represents a lot of people in her group and we should listen and return her emails, please. You know, that's the very basic thing to yeah. do and return everyone's emails. Um, I want to shift gears to just sort of talk about you and sort of mm -hmm. how you got to be in this point in time and in Santa sure. Barbara and being involved. Uh, what is your background? We talked about it in my original podcast, but we, we talked, but where are you from? How did you get here? What brought you to this area? Yeah, you know, I'm just gonna make a quick comment about criticism. Yeah. Um, constructive criticism is great because it allows us to be better. Yeah. And, you know, earlier this year, someone criticized me on my platform about shutting down comments, saying that I was censoring people. Did I take down that post? No. I allowed them to continue to criticize me. Frankly, it was pretty harsh, okay? And they reasoned with me publicly, and that comment is still on SB Plan, that I shouldn't shut down comments, but only remove the ones that violate the rules. And I agreed. So criticism is good, as long as it's constructive. Yeah. Yelling at people like that's not good. Right. So I just wanted to say that. But so uh, to tell you a little bit about myself, um, you know, I originally born and raised in the southeast, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, um, went to University of Maryland, moved out cross country with a friend uh, to San Francisco and got a job in investment banking on a whim. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't usually happen. And I really love that. And that was during the dot com boom. Um, the technology boom for semiconductors and then the dot-com boom. And I decided to pivot a little bit and do what I enjoyed best, which is positioning company stories to go public and just helping entrepreneurs. So I have really, over time, 
really fallen in love with helping startups and turnaround companies or entities to really tell their story. And so when I saw the problem of the pandemic, that was just kind of a natural thing for being like, oh, okay, let's take all this chaos and let's bottle it up and package it so that people can feel like they're heard and can um, engage in constructive action, right? So that's why it makes a lot of sense for me to be doing what I am now because, you know, this is this is who I am. It's fundamental to, to who I am, even though I don't have time. I'm exhausted. I'm burned out like the rest of us. Look, I, as I said, PTSA president, I was a board member of National Charity League. Now I'm a board member of Boys Team Charity. These are not things I should be doing, really. Any sane person would not be doing all of these things. But I do it because I believe in the power of modeling to our children, uh, you know, potential an opportunity that they can control the things around them and they can be who they are if they are dedicated to it, inspired to do so. And I just think it's an important thing to model for kids, uh, leadership, opportunity, um, education, pursuing your passions. I just think these are all good things. So um, even though you know I probably don't have time to do all the things that I do, this is why I do them. I I just believe in um, our kids and I want them all to have, you know, equitable access to success, however they term success, right? Because success isn't becoming a millionaire necessarily. Maybe that might be your version of being, of being successful. Successful is living a happy life on your terms and, you know, living a life free from oppression, right? Uh, so that's my vision and goal. Uh, for my children. Mm-hmm. And I want that for everyone, really. Yeah. And when we talked, it was so important to get kids back to school, graduation, having a, a senior year. How is yeah. your daughter doing now? Uh, she's off Gosh. in Columbia, but yeah. how do you feel about how, how she had to endure those pandemic years, right? When most students historically are having the time of their lives in their senior year. Um, yeah. How are things going? Is she, is she, and we've read so much about how that generation, those kids have been impacted. Mm-hmm. What's what's it been like for her now that she's passed that? Yeah, I mean, so the beginning of the school year, they were still very much in the pandemic, but at least they could be on campus. I think that really was a lifesaver for her. My daughter loves school. For her in high school, a lot of her social outlet was through school. So when she lost that, it was like she lost access to her teachers whom she loved. And uh, by the way, to DPHS, like she loved her high school experience. You know, I saw a comment the other day where someone was uh, responding to criticism that, you know, the school district was failing students. And I, I absolutely do not believe that, especially at places like DP. They love those kids. They want those kids to succeed. They see those kids. For my daughter during the pandemic, when she did, couldn't engage with her teachers, and her classmates, it was devastating, okay? So it was really hard for her, but going off to college was everything she needed, you know, and she loves it. She's met the best friends of her life. And even though she spent most of the year in a mask, they just now lifted the mask mandate. Um, It's been a godsend, truly. Uh, You know, Columbia is hard. You know, everyone who wants to go to a top college, like be careful what you ask for, okay? Like, (laughs) 
It's not an easy, it's not a cakewalk, okay? You're going to work hard. My daughter loves that. She thrives in an academic environment, but it's hard, okay? I'll dispel that myth right now. Um, yeah, so thanks for asking. And, uh, you know, I'm, and my son, you know, he's thrilled to be back at school. Same thing. A lot of his friends from kindergarten go to Santa Barbara Junior High. We love that school. We love our principal. We love the teachers. And um, they just deserve a lot of love and acknowledgement, truly. Yeah. And he's got a connection with the PTA president, right? So Exactly. Yeah, that gets him zero, I can tell you. But um, when I when I told him that I was going to be the president, he's like, oh, you know, you know, the kids don't want us on campus. Okay. They'll, they, they'll appreciate it later. They may yeah, not. Maybe the they, they'll look back at Thanksgiving and be like, that was so cool, mom. You yeah. Maybe when they're 35. I don't, I don't know. But anyway. Um, I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, you know, we talk about the college pressures. I'm an advocate for just like re, you know, and you're, you're a marketing expert also, you know, just sort of re shaping the community college and what that is in our mm -hmm. community, because I'm such an advocate for, you know, if you go to a community college for two years in your community, you can save a lot of money and it will be as valuable as to you as you, you take it. It'll be as serious as you want it to be. And then you can transfer to almost I anywhere, know. you know, and you I save know. a lot of money, but unfortunately there's so much parental pressure of you got to go to this school and the kids feel that the kids are like mm -hmm. I need to go this way but I wish we could almost like just redefine that so that it's not such a, a stigma because whether yeah. you're a genius or whether you had a horrible time in the K through 12 it's a place where it all evens out you know so yeah it's wish, true you know, yeah I think my daughter pushed that and I was like oh because it's expensive too <laughs> Okay. But you're right. My daughter took a ton of dual enrollment classes during her time at um, DP. In fact, she, I think she had 300 credits. She graduated wow. 300 credits. You only need 220. Mm -hmm. And had she gone to a UC, she would have been probably a junior. So Santa Barbara city college is an excellent school. I've taken classes there and it's rigorous. And I almost took your class, but but I was like, I don't have time for this, you know. It's <laughs> <Still laughs> time. It's still fall. <laughs> but you're right. But we need to destigmatize this thing of, oh, I have to go to a T10, T20, T you do not. You do not. And it's really what you make of it in your life. These kids are incredible. Like, I wish I was as smart, motivated, and empathic, and dedicated to making my community you know, the place that these kids, the things that they're doing for one another and their accomplishments are just mind boggling. And, you know, maybe they need to take a step back and say, I don't need to do as much, you know, cause you don't, you're, but they're all going to succeed in the end because they're just incredible kids and um, products of our amazing public school system. So things are working. There's things that we can make better. And, you know, we can fix them together. So let's do it together. Why, you know, why not engage everyone? And that's really, you know, my, my big push here is that let's, let's get everyone together. Let's talk about it. Let's share experiences and let's make everything better. And because no one has the, the entire answer, you know, yeah, that's true. It takes everybody's ideas and working together without 
threats or criticisms or yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to wrap up here because this has been an incredible conversation, but just sort of give you the final word. You, you mentioned you spoke at the board meeting a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, going forward, what are the issues SP plan is going to continue to sort of focus on? What are you going to focus on? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what issues do you want to sort of make sure the school board and the district administration is, is centered on in the coming, you know, the rest of the year? Yeah. I mean, look, I think ultimately um, the decisions made by the superintendent and as advocated in turn through their vote needs to be data driven. We need data-driven solutions that are accessible and understandable to the public um, so that we have trust, of course, in your, your plans, but also so that we're not continuously dealing with the same issues over and over again, okay? Now, that relates to the college prep and honors plan that we're being, that's being pushed by the district. I want that to be an agenda item. By the board, that's never been on the agenda. Mm-hmm. I want, and during that uh, board meeting in which they discuss the data, I want to see the data that um, drove the decision to combine classes. I want to see the data that uh, validates the expansion of the pilot program. Right, meaning I want to see the pilot program data, mm-hmm. and I don't want us to proceed further without some validation. I want to see the feedback from your constituents evidencing the need for the honors and college prep combination. And I also want to see the data that theoretically has been generated for the uh, concerns expressed by parents who have actually been through the programs with their children. Okay. So that's a big issue. Um, I think all of these relate to sort of data uh, driven decision-making and the accountability of the board to fulfill their fiduciary responsibility to students and to the district uh, vis-a-vis the budget, right? Because every program they implement has a cost, either financial or otherwise, right? And ultimately, they need to serve their constituents as students. But this relates also to the anti-Black violence. I want to see the data of you know, specific data. I don't want to see a dashboard of how many kids have been attacked. Oh my God, no, that's traumatic. I want to see um, a dashboard of experiences from the people who are actually living them. And I want to see the feedback from those individuals of what they propose. And I want to see a no tolerance policy, frankly. There's, there should be a no tolerance policy in our schools for any type of violence. Okay, so especially relative to anti-Black violence, because that has become so pervasive. Right. So let's see what else. Um, Any initiative that's related to, uh, you know, ensure equity in schools, this resolution, this kind of bogus resolution that was advocated at the beginning of the year that really had no demonstrable outcomes. It was just really a resolution to make sure uh, there's equity and maybe it kind of felt like a blank check to the. Uh, super to be able to do whatever she wanted. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's the cynic in me thinking that way. Um, I want to see data validating the reason for um, getting rid of the SRD, SRO in the schools. Like we got rid of them at San Marcos, but where's the replacement program? You know, coincidentally, right after they got rid of the SRD, SRO, whatever uh, acronym you prefer to use, 
we had this huge issue with anti-Black violence happening at both Santa Barbara Junior High and La Colina. But I, you know, I'm sure it's happening everywhere, right? So what was the real impetus for that? You know, when the district was asked, you know, where did you get your feedback that this was a real issue? You know, there's a group called Cops on Campus, and I think that their experiences are real. I'm not invalidating those experiences, but they are just one group. Let's look at all the groups and then let's work together to come up with a solution, right? I think that certain groups want the SRO to leave. And I think that it's intimidating. Okay, well, let's talk about that. What's a suitable replacement? Because the fact is crime, drugs, violence happens on campus. It does. It's a fact. And you know what? We can't rely upon our teachers and it's not fair to them to be police and to police our students on campus. They can't. And by the way, if you read SB plan, you'll see a comment from teachers who complain that they really don't have the tools to discipline students anyway. They're not allowed to tell students that they can't do something, put their phones away, right? There's no such thing as dis- as detention anymore. They can't have detention anymore. So is it really fair that we're asking our teachers to discipline when they don't even have the tools. So these are some of the biggest issues. Certainly the iPad issue is a big issue. Um, let me think. Uh, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> Sorry. I could go on and on and you're like, okay, I need to go. I've got papers to grade, but, um, but thank you for having me uh, on. And, you know, I'm very passionate as you can tell about this still two years later. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you, uh, Caroline, for sharing your experiences and the information that you have been a part of through SB Plan and your interaction. And uh, I think that what you're doing is a really good model of community activism. And um, it shows just, you know, what what is the, they can find you on Facebook and Enjoying, oh, yeah. I guess, you know? So. Yeah. So we kept it on Facebook, even though some people don't love Facebook, because it's really the only two way mechanism for us to engage with people through multimedia. You know, you don't want to have it on Instagram and, and Twitter and Reddit. So um, just go to uh, search groups, SB Plan on Facebook. You should be able to find us uh, that way. And I'd like to say once again, we're nonpartisan. We welcome everyone. Uh, please be respectful. We do have very clear rules about what can be said, and um, and we never, uh, we just don't allow bad behavior, basically. But if you are there with a good intent, and we welcome your feedback, and uh, please join us. All right. Thanks a lot, Caroline. Thank and uh, let's do it again. Let's not wait two yeah. years, though. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Have a okay. Good day. Bye. Thank you. You too.